0: Welcome to our fifth episode of the Unscripted Podcast, the first of season three. It's a more casual conversation compared to our other Scripts and Scribes podcast, uh, where we bring on some of our favorite guests and friends. And today, I'm chatting with Craig D. He's a TV writer, producer on the NBC comedy Undateable, and a super funny dude, Mr. Craig Doyle. How's it going hey. today, Craig?
1: Hey, Kevin. What's up, man? It's so great to uh, to be a part of this again, man. I always enjoy uh, talking it's to always you great chatting, pontificating and being annoying. So
0: <laughs> pontificating and <laughs> annoying, which are your specialties.
1: Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, That's what they—that's what they, uh, they paid me for. They're like, we need a pontificating annoying <laughs> guy. Uh, get Doyle on the yeah, phone. <laughs> um,
0: exactly. Now you guys are back in production on Undateable, um, which premieres on March seventeenth on NBC. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, March seventeenth after The Voice. That's been kind of like you know uh, I've talked on the podcast with you oh. a little bit, and uh, you know it's been it's been fun kind of like checking with you, and and hopefully it's interesting and kind of chronicling the way a show in the modern, you know, sitcom, especially in the modern kind of landscape of mm-hmm. television where, you know, so many competing digital platforms and all this other stuff, you know, how a show gets a second season and kind of being behind the scenes. It's been really fascinating for me, kind of how it goes. But, uh, you know, last year, uh, you know, last year we were kind of an under the radar show. It wasn't a big deal. They, they put us in the summer and kind of double pumped us, meaning that they put two episodes back to back, which is never a, show of big faith it's Mm -hmm. kind of like yeah this is what we got ordered let's just fill in you know while we get to that spot we ended up uh, during that time uh, Bill Lawrence who's our executive producer and Adam Stikiel, our creator executive producer uh, because our our cast is a bunch of stand-up comics who are you know the tops in the nation we they did a kind of a uh, and they're all like, kind of hungry and know how fun the show is. They all were really super willing to kind of give up their time during, you know, traditional pilot casting season for actors. And they went on a tour of of, uh, of the markets where, you know, the affiliates matter the most. And did, you know, visits to more weekly mornings or, you know, daily morning shows at the different affiliates. And did weather and, you know, did all the fun things that TV and comics used to do back in uh you know, back in the day. And uh because of that we debuted really, really well, the highest in, in NBC comedy mm-hmm. in eight years, which was mm-hmm. crazy considering they gave us like four bus ads that went down Ventura Boulevard <laughs> in the valley. And uh maybe, you know, and then during you know, during America's Got Talent did some did some uh did some promotion stuff like that. But I think that NBC was pleasantly surprised by the performance and gave us back so we did you know, they gave us uh, another season. So even though we did 13 in the first season and a traditional season 22, we're doing uh, the next season here, we're doing 10 more uh, for a window. And um, it's considered our second season, but the way we're creatively approaching it is is kind of the continuation of the first season, like stuff that you can kind of like, you would normally do with characters, maybe in developing them and and kind of progressing them through, uh, you know, in front of people, we're not making gigantic leaps in stories. We're kind of just, still introducing everybody to who they are and stuff. So it's been a trip. So we uh, so this year we get back into it and we um, during that time we uh, we were you know we started in October you know writing and pre production so you know and that's when you know the writers get in before everybody else gets in and we start kind of planning what we're going to do and break some stories and and you know we also uh, do some new casting because we added a, uh, an actress to the show which has been a huge huge boon. And, um, during that, so we kind of plan it. So during that time, Bill Lawrence has, uh, and Adam and, uh, Jeff Engel, the other executive producer who is a big shot at NBC and really knows kind of the behind the matrix of how TV shows, you know, get on the air, succeed and stay on the air. Uh, were amazingly, you know, uh, able to, you know, kind of help us put us in the best position. And we ended up, uh, NBC was so excited about uh, our performance and the way the show was kind of going that they cleared out space after The Voice. So, you know, in March 17th, it's The Voice premiere, and then we're the we're the show after it. So we're getting the post-voice slot, which is, you know, the most coveted time slot on mm-hmm. the network. You know, so they're really showing, a, you know, it, it's a pretty wild 180 from... You know, Ventura Bus ads to, hey, we're going to do a Super Bowl commercial right. for you guys. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, so that as writers and producers and being, you know, for me being one of the, you know, being a supervising producer on the show and you know one of the, you know, whatever quote unquote upper level writers producers that we, it's a, it's crazy to see, you know, that we're the bad news bears too, being something that's a little more, you know, wow, taking it seriously and seeing all that. It's been a trip, you know. Right. So um yeah during that whole thing it's just been really wild to um the approach of okay this is for fun these are what these guys do to hey this is the second season we got to progress things like what what are things that we could do that capitalize on you know um, we had a kind of a grassroots thing how do you make it a little bit bigger and use the bigger corporate machines and use the you know the network and our and 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 kind of marketing and promotion, which is just like something a still probably a regular writer is there, you know, doing their sitcom specs doesn't even consider, you know, that that's part of the job. And it's been a real eye opener for me to kind of think of like, oh my god, when you kind of get up to that showrunner level, or when you're keeping a show on the air and successful, to have someone to draft off of like Bill Lawrence, who's done you know literally 500 plus episodes of mm-hmm. television and had three different series. On the air, four different series that he's been uh, able to uh, to kind of see how that works, and that's just another skill set and another thing that just blows your right. mind, you know. So it's been wild. Definitely been
0: well. Crazy. I mean, just in in what you were saying, I had two questions come up, and just in my head as you were talking about it. First, um, yeah. Has the network, other than the marketing side, has the network sort of changed in terms of their involvement of, you know, uh, undateable? Like when you were at bus ads, when you were a bus ad show, we'll just call you that. Yeah, um, right, right. You know, they may have been <laughs> more hands that, off so. and, you know, like, oh, those guys will do whatever they want. If it gets yeah. ratings, that's cool. If not, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. And but uh-huh. now they're, you're the Super Bowl ad, sh- you're the Super Bowl show post the voice show. Yeah. You know, everyone wants their hands. And how, how do we, you know capitalizes how do we make it yeah. better how do we make sure this is going to stay a hit you know that kind of thing it does does that
1: change yeah it, absolutely it absolutely has changed as far as creatively it's just like the the level of what we can kind of like we would i mean last year was a different scenario because we did we kind of broke the show and designed the show one way i think i talked about an earlier podcast to you about how you know a sitcom story will have an mm-hmm. a an A, B and C story, you know, basically, you know, A being the big story, B being the smaller one, C, you know, and so on or or a runner is considered a C story, whatever. We tried to do a big, you know, we did a big cast um, to do uh, three stories in a show. We kind of broke all of our stories that way, did all this, you know, work and got some scripts, early writer's drafts out with that stuff. Then had a disastrous kind of uh, road test with those, with that format. And we just were like, okay, we've got to strip this down to an A story and a very slight B story. So because of that, we we kinda of lost our pre production last year, meaning all that but all that planning all that stuff that we were able to do kinda of went out the window and we had to kind of re you know, course correct. It's almost like, you know, you're the Cavs and you lose the <laughs> And you're like, Oh, what do we do now? I guess we gotta become a defensive team this way or whatever it is. So we uh we made that adjustment and what happened was it made us kind of writing week to week. You know, we were writing this, we were writing breaking stories and writing them really close to when we were shooting and able to dra- doing the table draft from the network and the studio because of that, the network and the studio, and also because it wasn't a high profile thing, they were very hands off. I mean, they definitely had notes and they did their thing, but because Bill being who he is and having the, you know, the reputation and credibility, uh, that he has what he could kind of tell them hey guys we know what these things are we're going to fix them and they gave him mm-hmm. the leeway you know if if you didn't have an experienced showrunner or somebody that hasn't had that kind of a track record they might be more meddling and you'd have to do more uh notes that potentially answer things that uh you know you'd have to get into that that cycle which is which could be difficult so now now because of that we had very little hands on i mean we you know even down to the better standards and practices which mm-hmm. is your no, it said like, hey, you can't use that guy's name because that's a person in Iowa and you know, whatever. But, you know, it's the kind of the protect your ass division of, hey, you guys said three asses. Can we make it two asses? <laughs> well, you know, two asses and, and can you make one bitch go right. away? And you know, you get this kind of like those ridiculous emails that are really fun in to read in a writer's room and laugh about, <laughs> like, oh my god, we're grown ups and we're getting paid and there's another grown up who's scolding us for using like <laughs> writing like back of the classroom right. dick jokes and we're getting busted for <laughs> it. It's kind of fun. but so that kind of stuff was really lax in the mm. first season. Um, and now this time they are more hands-on, but I think because they knew that that process was successful, they, it's been a version of that process with maybe a little mm. more hands-on, mm. um, fortunately our network executives, uh, David Slevin and, 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 uh, the, it, yeah, even Vernon, Vernon and these people that are, that are amazing, uh, you know, uh, Been amazing advocates for the show. They've all been uh, incredibly helpful. If they have notes or they have something, it's kind of something we probably already knew. So it's kind of like if they get to that point. But but you know, there's a lot of stuff that's coming online that I can't really talk about, like because it's you know just in the ether of support, you know, with marketing and all the other stuff, um, where we have uh, their support, which is just a you know a new experience. So because of that, you're just getting you're getting notes that. Uh, we wouldn't have got last Mm -hmm. year. Um, That said, they're not terrible notes. They're always usually kind of like something that they're sensing. It's just, uh, and Bill and Adam and, and, you know, hopefully myself and the other people are very uh, uh, savvy and kind of seeing, like, what's the note behind the note? What are they looking for? They're saying specifically this. What are they looking for that, that, you know, we can kind of do it our way as opposed to doing their note, which might not, in the bigger narrative, Mm -hmm. fit. You know, so, uh, but so it's definitely been a different experience. I mean, you know, having to think of promotion things, having to do Twitter campaigns and having writers, you know, staff writers keep a Twitter for the characters. Like we we're starting a thing and one of them, that's a Twitter thing that we're hoping to like have a fiction, one of the fictional characters has Twitter. And it's this this big um, part of um, one of our stories. And we want to keep that alive. So someone's going to have to, you know, staff writers are going to have to write a Twitter campaign as one of the characters. (laughs) It's like, that's right. new. Like we just didn't have that. So because of that, you also now have, you know, NBC Digital and Warner Brothers Digital and all those people weighing in. So just there's more people that have turned their focus to it. So, you know, um uh the good news is is when you have uh you know uh behemoth like Bill who knows it back and forth, he can kind of protect you from uh nonsense of those the, that that area, but he also keeps you um but he also can what he tells us we need to do we know we need to do it's not just busy work you know so it's been pretty wild to watch that but um yeah but they're definitely in the, in the creative notes they've definitely been more more hands on there's kind of the same team we had last year so they kind of know the story and they understand like yeah you know they, they you know their names are on it too in, in in the in the halls of NBC and Warner brothers so they're they're protective of the show they know how rare it is these days for a comedy, especially a multi-camera sitcom on NBC to get a second season. They know what this is and they don't want to mess up the soup. So, uh they've been respectfully great about uh about uh, you know, making their thoughts known but also deferring to um Bill and Adam and the people that got them there to the right. second season. So, it's pretty pretty cool.
0: Now, regarding the uh the Twitter stuff, I mean, I thought first a PR person would do it, but if it's a staff writer, what's the WGA rule on, on that? Do they get paid per tweet? Is, I don't know. is that their going rate? they get paid per tweet, like a dollar a tweet or something?
1: <laughs> I, I know. It's nothing. I think it's just kind of like, hey, I mean, like, back on, um, you know, I had friends that worked on mm-hmm. Just Shoot Me back then, and, then you know, they're, they're interstitials in between, um, you know, when they, they're, you know, whereas you know, and everybody loves Raymond or something, you do a stock shot of the outside of the house of the Brady Bunch <laughs> right, kind right, of right. A thing. Your 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 scene wipes, you know, you would kinda of do that. Uh theirs were Blush magazine was the magazine mm-hmm. they all worked at. So they would cut to a cover and look like Cosmopolitan magazine and it would have um it would have uh you know uh blurbs, mm-hmm. like cover story blurbs that were, you know, loosely tied to what the next scene mm-hmm. was about. So like you know, sex at the workplace, is the name, that would be the, you know, the thing you would, that would, the story might have that kind of a thing. So they had writers and staffers that wrote blurbs like that you would have to do. And then someone, you know, so that was kind of part of the narrative of the show and, 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 and you know, on Fraser they had uh, you know, title cards in between things that were almost like the way that an old um, uh, play would have where you'd, you know, our town or something, you on a, on a sandwich board, you'd flip the next thing, act two or whatever. So there's kind of that stuff. I, I imagine it just kind of falls under that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> there hasn't been any precedent for that stuff, but definitely when it comes to like things that are going to be, uh, you know, new things for media and all that other stuff, it's it's an evolving right. thing. Everybody wants to be respectful of it, but also, you know, um, you know, it, it, who knows? That jurisdiction seems like it might be a little still in the wild west. So we right. But, um, but there's been nothing specific <laughs> to that yet, but uh, it's been pretty mellow. I mean, thankfully it's been really mellow There's been and, and, you know, it's not like anything where you're like, Oh my God, I'm writing another script for a promotion. I'm not getting paid for it. It's nothing <laughs> like that. So it's just like, kind of like, Oh yeah, this would be great for that, you know, but um, it's pretty easy. Um, now,
0: what did you do to celebrate undateable getting picked up for a season two? Cause it's always a big deal when you get picked up.
1: <laughs> I paid some bail. No, uh, <laughs> uh, it was, no, we all got together the writers, you know, were really close last year and, and there's a core list that came back. Some other people went on to other jobs. Um, you know, yeah. everybody that worked on the show last year was successful in moving on to another job or coming back. Uh, so uh we all just kinda of got together and had dinner and just, you know, uh we celebrated the, you know, the screening of the show and we all, you know, did that thing uh together as kind of a group. And it was just, you know, it was it was um it was it was really really exciting. Me personally, I was just you know we just kind of went to dinner and was like, oh, this is a trip. This is going to be really mm-hmm. really fun. So it was uh you know and then you kind of start working on your story ideas because uh, I knew with the uh, departure of a couple of our upper level people that there'd be a little bit more responsibility on myself mm-hmm. to kind of you know be try to be more of uh, more at the forefront of some of the some of the process. So I got a little bit more like. You know, oh God, I'm getting a bigger playbook. <laughs> right. You know, so I got to start, you know, studying. So, uh, so that was that was probably where I celebrated was I, like, tried to double down and say, all right, do this <laughs> up. So, nice. Which I can do. <laughs> just so, say the word so, and I'll do it. Sure. Just say the word. You want me to? I just. Uh, that's my natural idling right. speed. Is screw up. So. Oh Jesus! Um, yeah. Still try not to do it. So. <laughs> and how did you spend your hiatus? The highest, you know, I, I, fortunately I've been really lucky. Um, I had, I had a project over the last past of years. I might've talked about it on this thing, uh, on, 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 one mm-hmm. of the podcasts, uh, script inscriber or, or, um, you know, the unscripted stuff is the, uh, is the, um, I have this project at HBO. It started as an NBC, um, uh, sitcom idea, single camera idea with Kurt Russell and, uh, Kate Hudson and Oliver Hudson and Wyatt Russell. They're kind of family. Mm-hmm. So, I've been working on that, and we we did that at NBC. It didn't go, but we all loved kind of the process and got the idea back. uh, And uh, we ended up um, partnering with a friend of mine that I had worked with years ago uh, on another show who um, has like kind of finance connections. We were able to do a, uh, um, a sizzle reel to do a shortened version of a, you know, I rewrote the script and then, you know, kind of changed it all up and took kind of the kernel of it and then changed back to uh uh you know wrote a 20 minute version of it that we shot a couple summers ago and uh a year ago last summer so almost like, um, like a year and a half ago and in that case it was kind of a sizzle reel so it would almost be like the uh you know it was and it's with Kurt so Kurt Russell did it and and you know I was I wrote it and kind of you know did that part of it and Oliver Hudson directed it and Wyatt Russell starred in it with Kurt and you know it's his father son thing and we had friends come in, so Don Cheadle did a oh, piece cool. for us, and we had uh, a bunch of different actors, John rise from Napoleon Dynamite. A bunch mm-hmm. of people came and helped us. It was really cool. So we put together this fun thing, and we sold it at the end of the year in 2013, and then last year it took a while to get the deal done and all that stuff. So during the hiatus, I was writing it. And so now it's in, and we're waiting to see if that's going to be something that comes around for HBO. Oh, sorry, we sold to HBO, and uh, now we're just waiting to see if HBO wants to make it. It's like kind of the way that Togetherness is on now or uh looking or girls or you know, uh Eastbound and Down. It's more in the East Bound and Down kind of vein with Kurt Russell kind of playing it's called the Lords of Venice and it's about him being a landlord in Venice with his sons coming back and kind of an outrageous big, you know, broad, crazy uh uh thing that kind of grabs the uh the fun of the Kurt Russell like from Captain Ron nice. and then, you know, Big Trouble yeah, in Little yeah. China and all that kind of like that big personality, a little bit of Death Proof and all that stuff. So he's just an absolute dream. One of my heroes, my cinema heroes. So the big chance to work with him has been absolutely insane and cool and, and a trip. And, and you're getting text messages from Corrupted and a bizarre thing <laughs> of like, oh, I, I, oh, I should yeah, respond to but, that one. Uh, but it's good. Yeah. It, yeah, it's it's really it's, and and you realize he's just like he's just like you wish he would be like just a really goofy guy, a big laugher, a huge laugh, smartest you know, smartest guy in the business, but one of the smartest guys I've ever met in the business, just you know, just doing it to your kids. Right. So, you know, gets kind of uh glean some of that information off of it and stuff like that. It's his insights and in script or things that you do They're like, Oh shit, yeah, I didn't think of that and uh you know, he's very, very he's just a brilliant guy. And so that that during hiatus I was writing and working on that. And uh, we were waiting to see if we were coming back. And then when we got the word, it was kind of like, cool, finish that up before you go back. So we can kind of get that into the pipeline and see, you know, when Undateable shoots and right. everything, that this would be something. He's doing the new Quentin Tarantino movie, The Hateful Eight. So he's not available until March or May, no, till May mm-hmm. anyway. So we would essentially be done, and I'd be able to maybe, if it worked out right, slot it in before we started back in Undateable. If it gets That's awesome. So, yeah, so that's why I've been doing it, so it's you know as a writer, you're always trying to you know the one thing that's really cool about writers is that you can always no one has to give you permission mm-hmm. to do it you know, a director still you need someone to give you money or cameras right. or whatever it's a little bit of a it's a little less so you can go out, you know nowadays and shoot something on your own. an actor, you need someone to write something an actor you act you know you have to you have to act and have someone film it or you know if it's a play you gotta have, you know a, write a play, you gotta find a space whatever it is. you have to find other actors. A writer just needs, you know, a pencil and a, you know, pad of paper, and you can start kind of jotting down an idea. So, never stop kind of pushing on the muse, you know, because you never know when as things go away economically or as things go, if, if they didn't come back. I'd be in a spot where I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I gotta. What am I gonna do now? I kind of had a, a contingency plan of what I would do, and uh, you know, development and things that I had done before. But um, so, you know, it's just like. It just you know, for, I think for all of us who were on the show, we all kind of knew. It, thankfully, some of us, you know, most of us, have been around the block a couple times. Know that, like how uh, how these um, the uh, how frivolous the business can right. be and and fickle. And it's just like, okay, so prepare for everything. Write a bunch of stuff. Right. You know? <laughs> Keep wrecking another pilot. Get something out there. So it doesn't know you're not sitting there on your heels like trying to scramble for a job when uh, everybody else is scrambling for a job. So try to be smart about it but uh, so that's kind of what a long answer for what i what i did with my christmas vacation so it was uh it was nice. fun so and then we got we got to work and and you know it's been uh been uh just in the in the grind the whole time now that's uh, so.
0: awesome
1: pretty well russell
0: and uncle rico awesome awesome
1: <laughs> it was crazy yeah. yes uncle rico he's and john grise is like an absolute delight like i had a kid I would watch real genius oh, on yeah. HBO coming off from school and he's, uh, you know, Laszlo coming out of the closet, you know, in the cl- he had his laboratory in the closet elevator and all that stuff. So he was just one of my favorite character actors of the guy that always kind of, you know, popped up and stuff and to have John actually work with us. And he just is so fun and such a good dude. And it was just, it was a fun couple days where we shot it. And so it was a good trip. He and he and Kurt together pretty yeah. funny. So, um, yeah, it was it was a blast to get those guys in the same space and having them riff and you know and, and have just a fun time. It was cool. I
0: bet you I could throw a football over those mountains.
1: <laughs> oh, <Nice>. That mountain. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> that guy's awesome. He's just so awesome. He's got such. So, the thing with him is that what's so great is him as an actor is you. Um, he's got such a sweet mm-hmm. face and a sweet disposition that's just natural right. to him. That you can get him to say horrible things and you don't hold it against <laughs> him. So, in our thing, he played a character who's kind of just a little bit of a, you know, like a beach burnout kind of guy that just, you know, just, we all know those kind of guys. Just like, they mean well. They just can't get out of their own way. So, the things that he's done in his past and things that he did, it's just like, when John said him, it was like, oh, get away. If anybody else was to say that line, we go, that guy's a monster. (laughs) But, John, somehow, you kind of go, oh, baby. So sorry that you had to do inhalants and go and punch a cop, you know. Oh, those, what do they do to you, honey? You know? So, um, so, uh, but yeah, so John's a great dude, really, really good dude. That now other fun.
0: than working, what did you, how did you spend your hiatus?
1: You know, this probably, you know, it was, uh, with my kids, it was the end of the summer and, uh, my wife is a publicist and she, um, she was picking up more clients as you know, more and more clients as I was kind of down a little bit. She's like, well, I'll pick up a couple more people that want to work with her and short term and, so she got really busy, and then I just kind of became Mr. Mom a little bit. I was running Kiss of camp and doing things in between, you know, going and trying to get my own writing done and mm. things like that, playing a ton of guitar and trying to do little day trips and stuff like that where we can, because, you know, once we got the word that we're coming back, it's like, you know, you're kind of going into the cave right. for a while, so you're just like, you know, it's like uh, Spike Lee, the 25th hour. It's like, you're <laughs> trying to have fun before, you, you know, you're going into the clink for a little yeah. while, into the writer's clink, so you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta try to get it in. So we did some stuff like that. And then, uh, um, but, uh, yeah. So it's you know, it's with kids, you know, at that age, they're a lot of fun. They, you know, my daughter's 11. So it's like, she wants to do fun shit that I like to do. Right. <laughs> yeah, She wants to see the same movies I want to see. And that, and my son is just always a good ball, so It was like, we did a lot of fun things together, the group. Very with cool. us, so just kind of spent the same yeah. time. A lot yeah, of fun. You have to. You have yeah. to. Yeah. And I, you know, I, you know, I think we talked about it before that, writing especially comedy and stuff like that you know it's about relatability mm-hmm. especially like you know sitcom stuff so like you try to find you're, you're generating tons of stories if you're looking to show like raymond it's like all coming from phil rosenthal and the writer staff's lives and you know the old story was that those guys would all go home for dinner because the idea is like go home for dinner have a real life and bring back right. stories we'll make those mm-hmm. funny so it's like you have to have that kind of stuff otherwise if you're kind of caught in theoretical Storyland, it, you know, you're losing touch with what makes it relatable. And I'm sure, you know, there's the the things that I've had the most success with in development and TV shows or films or things that I've, you know, written or screenplays or whatever have been things that I have a direct line back to something personal with myself, you know, whether it's a, you know, relationship with a, with a sibling or a parent thing or whatever it is, or an experience I grew up with, uh, or thing I'm going through now, everything that I've got a lot of traction with and had success with has been, somehow rooted in that connection so if you don't have that real life to are going kind to of draw from you're really kind of you know i i find anyways that you i don't know if you get your best stuff because the best stuff kind of comes from something where you're you know it's it's there's it, you could always find that personal element right. in there so you know that it, it gives you your touch to what right, you're doing
0: right no absolutely
1: yeah. yeah
0: it's all that it's the specifics and the personal <laughs> aspect of it that make it yeah
1: exactly feel real
0: and make it yeah you know. yeah i
1: i hundred percent. Like I, I was my, my second pilot that I did for ABC at Warner Brothers was, uh, based on my experience with my daughter, when she was a baby that I, I think of my toes before, but I found myself growing, you know, my, I close to my friends that I grew up with who are all kind of, you know, goofy, uh, skateboard kind of surf punk type guys. And, but because my daughter, the people she was hanging out with her mommy and me in her preschool class, I found myself surrounded by guys and friendly with guys that I never would have picked on my own you know, like there's guys from all walks of life, but we all have the one thing in common, which is that our our kids are all right. So you start getting this kind of like, I wouldn't have picked, you know, this guy, but now he, Glenn's a really good friend right. of mine. You know, it's just a weird thing, but Glenn and I, like, you know, our musical picks couldn't be more, you know, diametrically opposed and his experience is this, and he dresses this way and whatever. So from that, I kind of call, you know, I had an idea based on that experience and, you know, that, 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 uh, Territory has been since mined a lot for comedy and stuff, but this was years ago. Um, and I got, you know, had a lot of success with that based on a bunch of five dads who would never be friends, a five-man-odd couple. And it became a, a, a pilot that I did that we shot and uh, went really well. And it was a cool experience, but that was all from my, you know, my experience with, you know, what I was going through as a new father and a bunch of other new fathers. So town kind of, you know, that was the inspiration, but then, you know, you, your writer cap, puts you into the place of how do you kind of maximize that for what a tv show and make it relatable and stuff like that but when it came to the notes process and as i was going through development when you kind of got questions of bigger macro questions about like why is this person doing that there was no hesitation on my answers because you know, I've
0: right.
1: oh this is why because i when i was with glenn he was this right. way but and it's like, oh, okay. And you backed them right, right. off.
0: You, you didn't have to you Google know, anything. To, like
1: Yeah. Yes. There's nothing like where I'm like, oh, you know, I wonder what it's like in the life of a cop. And I, you know, I'm not a cop right. or whatever. So, you know, not that you can't do those kind of things, but you know, you find that what, you know, you find yourself in there in some ways, but that was uh you know, there's been other projects where there've been a little bit more connect the dots or you know find your way in that have been more difficult in that sense. When you're placed in that position of answering for something, you're like, well, I think he's because of this, and you're like, I hope so. <laughs> you know, you don't really have that kind of like definitive experience to kind of draw upon to say, no, this right. is how it goes. You know, so. But uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Even even when, even working on undatable, it's the idea that for Adam and Bill. Adam C.K. and Bill Lawrence, and stuff. So when they took this around the pitch, they had to bring, they brought pictures of themselves when they were undateable. And it was like, Bill had a, had a Bill Lawrence had a time in his life that he talked about where he had bleached hair and all just looked like a disaster, like, <laughs> like a guy trying to be cool. And he brought that picture. In. And Adam had a similar kind of a thing. And, and Jeff Engel had certain thing. And they brought it in. It's that every guy has a part where they thought they were cool right. or whatever, where they're, you know, trying to find their way in the world of, you know, women and whatever it may be when they're trying to find themselves. And that became kind of the kernel of truth that the show was based around. And then from that, you know, as we staff writers and and, and producers and writers who come in on this, we have to bring in our own experience and our, you know, our best stories that we've done that feel like they're unique to the show have become you know, the best ones we've done because they were unique to a personal experience from someone in the show, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, um, uh, one of the ones this year, there's a, there's an experience that her, uh, uh, one of our, uh, one of the writers, the uh, female writers in the show had a girlfriend who had this experience at a gym and we used that and at a B story and it came out really, really funny because it was like, it turned out really, really funny because it was like, we found the relatability and she was able to kind of say, this is what she was really bummed about was this, that, and the other, and it was like, oh, cool. So we kind of knew what, we knew what to write towards and stuff, and then the the story came out, you know, it didn't seem like a sitcom story, it seemed like something that was really fresh, didn't seem like a trope. So, uh, you know, all that stuff comes out of drawing from your own life and your own experience, which might sound simple and trite, but it's exactly what happens all the time. (laughs) So, it's crazy. Uh, So,
0: are there any good jokes from the joke wall that you can share? Probably not,
1: right? (laughs) The joke (laughs) wall. You know, this year we used the joke wall quite a bit because in our pre-production, um, uh, our, in our pre-production, there's a uh, uh, we were we had more time and we knew what the show was this time. So the pre-production this time, we were able to use it more effectively towards the show we were going to be putting on the air. So when we did joke wall stuff, stuff that actually made it on the wall, you know, most of it is you know early on in the in the process, we knew what it, we was doing. So we've actually been able to use a ton of stuff on the wall and it's been pretty great. So the, the wall's covered with some crazy stuff. I'm trying to think of one that without giving away anything that, you know, for the two fans out there <laughs> <laughs> might, might get outraged and, and stop, uh, and stop watching. But, um, let's see, we got, uh, one, one of the, one of the actors on the show, uh, Bianca Kylik, who's on, who's on rules of engagement and stuff like that. Uh, when she was, uh, when she was single, she always, she and her friends had, um, a system of, uh, of acronyms to de- they'd meet a guy and they're like, Oh, what about Tony? Well, Tony is, you know, is loca. And you're like, what's that mean? Well, it means lonely, old, you know, kind of whatever it was, they had this like acronym system for that you called people. So we're kind of trying to use that in something of like, you know, like that, that you have these code names for the types of people you meet when you're mm. single, you know, that, that fall on the trail, right. you know, that, uh, into something. So, so that was like something that was really fun that we kind of got, And then from that, we spun out a bunch of weird ones that were more, (laughs) you know, specific to our characters. And so that was one that actually came from an actress, you know, actor on the show. And, um, you know, and then we got a bunch of other stuff from one of one of our executives told a crazy story that was really funny. that we're like, oh, we're going to use that for our Justin character, who's the character played by Brent Warren, who's very, uh, he plays Justin on the show. Who's the guy who's very, uh, he gets in his own head and he's got a good heart and he just verbal diarrhea and whatever. And he tells these kind of long stories where he projects what will happen. And, you know, you kind of the thing where you have a friend who says, uh, you know, I'd never date that girl because what will happen is I see she has, you know, she doesn't clean her car. And girls with dirty cars are the kinds who do this and do this. And he goes down a rabbit hole. And that's One of our comedy tricks with him is to have, give him these, these kind of rabbit hole monologues where he extrapolates off of his own kind of paranoia. Right. And it's super funny, and they're super easy. And they've got tons of jokes in them. So one of those actually naturally came from one of our executives on the show. I won't name his name. That uh, name names, but uh, he told a story that was really funny. That we're gonna try to. We've been trying to use. We we've had it in a couple times. It just didn't fit when we did rewrites. That we'll eventually get in there. That was from. It's on the joke wall right now. So when you come to see the show with your wife, I'll take you back to the writers' room. You can see the joke <laughs> wall, and I'll show you. I'll, I'll point them out personally. But for the broadcast audience i don't want to give anything away and get myself right. in trouble so God. but uh, <laughs> but the joke wall is definitely more effective this year because i think we knew who we we're riding oh, cool. towards so uh, that's yeah, really i look forward cool.
0: to seeing the legendary joke wall <laughs> yeah it's pretty wild it's pretty uh, wild i've I read that bill lawrence sold a couple more shows too this year is he, oh, God. i see oh mean, he's on a yeah. roll Is is prolific. he still, I mean, how active is he? Or I guess it'd probably be more oh, maybe active. for season three, but because he's got so much going on. Is, does he sleep?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's it's amazing. It's, it's a real, it's a real, um, we're all amazed at how he's able to switch taxes. So he had, let's see, he had one, uh, he, I know he's got two pilots now that are going mm-hmm. for sure. There might be a couple, you know. They're still announcing a couple of things. Um, you know, it would be a late, a uh, late pickup now, but you never know. But he sold a ton of stuff and did some, um, did some big. Uh, you know, the IT crowd was, um, you know, the British uh, import that Chris O'Dowd and uh, uh, originally came out here and they did it with uh, Joel McHale from Community and it did like a short thing. Didn't quite work. He was going to do a reboot of that with uh, Graham, the guy who created it in in uh, Britain, who came in. Now I might come back around and this really funny writer, Neil Goldman and his partner, and they were great. So I don't know if that's coming back around, but that, you I know, mean, that was going, he did rush hour. Yeah. They did with Blake McCormick who rush hour, um, you know, obviously with Brett Ratner and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. So that got an, that got an order and, um, with Blake McCormick who ran Cougar Town for him and he and Blake wrote that together. So while we were doing our thing, you know, he'd, he'd skitter off for a few hours with, and help Blake out and they would finish what they needed to do and get it in. So that got picked up and that was a big deal. So he's, you know, it's going to be his big monstrous kind of like CBS action comedy pilot with uh, you know, with with some some high profile actors that they're working on getting and and then he's got another one with um there's a, there's a stand up comic who's hilarious named Tommy Johnigan. And Tommy is really really funny guy and they set that up at CBS and then uh, Tommy uh they, Tommy was uh, wrote it with um Justin Halpern oh, yeah. and uh, Patrick Schumacher who did surviving Jack with bill last year with Chris Maloney. And, uh, they, they're friends of mine and just amazing writers and funny dudes. So we're really excited. You know, it's kind of a compound full of Bill's right. people you're excited for the other side of like, ah, it's great. Justin and Patrick are great guys. And Tommy's a really good comic. And so they're putting that together. So he's got two pilots that he'll be doing in this time while we kind of do the second half of our, our, our 10 episode run, we've shot four episodes and, um, you know, we're doing six more to go, and we got some some exciting, surprising stuff that'll be kind of coming up is if we can get the uh, details, you know, ironed out. But some some big things, to trying to make the show more of a splash and a, a little bit of a, uh, you know, some some newsworthy things that would happen, and uh, kind of leaning into some of our casts. I mean, the one thing that we added this year is Bridget Mendler, who is on Good Luck Ch- Good Luck Charlie from Disney Channel, who's got four and a half Twitter followers, and you know, we got her in as a, a waitress playing a waitress in the bar. And uh, You said, we just, you said uh,
0: four and a half Twitter it's followers. Insane. Is it four and a half million? Four and yeah.
1: a half million That's Twitter funny. followers. Four, four and a half. <laughs> it's insane. Oh, gotcha. Four and a yeah. half Twitter followers. Well, yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a, a, a an unconjoined <laughs> Twitter in there. Nice. So, um, the, um, so Bridget came on the show, and she's an absolute TV star and hilarious, and fit right in with our guys who are – it's pretty hard to kind of – the double-dutch of four stand-up comics who are crazy <laughs> – who have such wild energy to be able to kind of fit in that uh, fit into that so seamlessly. She's just been an absolute star. So we're, you know, in, in, in her profile is, you know, she's a musician and she's got albums and, and a toll profile from her Disney channel days and a, and a, and a, huge following in another realm that's not our demographic, which is cool. It's like trying to get, if Chris D'Elia, who's our lead who has a very specific, you know, rough, you know, blue, stand up comic kind mm-hmm. of, you know, late night laugh factory kind of guy that's hilarious and, and does some, you know, dark and sexual material. And then you've got a Disney <laughs> you know, a Disney star who's done this. It's like, how do you reconcile those two audiences? And we I think we've done a good job this year of getting some stories where the two of them can kind of marry together. And Bridget couldn't be a more lovely, professional, like she's amazing. Like, I mean we're she turns there's jokes that we've done for her that uh, she finds the jokes that aren't there. And that's like a mm. TV star. It's like, you know, you, when you have you know, what's called pipelines or expository lines or you're setting somebody else up, if you can get a laugh on one of those, you're doing something crazy right. good. <laughs> It means that you're finding jokes that were not meant to be jokes because you understand comedy and the rhythms of it, that you can get a laugh there on the setup. And it's like, oh, my God. And she just has that. And it's been... So because of that, we started the season before we had her cast. We added her to the cast. Uh, and then we started realizing what a weapon she is. So we obviously have to get her more forefront into the story. So some of the stories that we had were built for a certain, you know, our cast in a certain way. Now that we have this, you know, brand new, you know, um, assassin, As Ron Funches who plays Shelly on our show called the Angel Faced Assassin. <laughs> now that we have the Angel Faced Assassin, it's like we got to get the Angel Faced Assassin some kill nice. shots here. So it's changed, you know, we it made us kind of go back into, uh, some of the stories that we broke and kind of saying, "Hey, we need to refigure these out. Make sure that uh, you know that uh, that 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 she has uh, that we you know we're not leaving points on the on the right. floor, you know." So, but she's just she's great, and that's been a trip. And you know, she's also musical, and her and uh, Justin, Justin character, they can sing together, and it's like how do you get music into the show, and you know, it's just crazy. It's just been a total, you know, say, there's the same types of jokes we tell. There's like the whole. You know, palette of the story, the palette of the show making is just completely opened up. There's just new tools. It's like you know, going from you know, watercolors that you get at Kmart to like <laughs> legitimate professional tools of like, oh my god, this is we could do this, that, and the other. So uh, it's been really, really cool. Uh,
0: from the watercolors you get at <laughs> Kmart to
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just about anything. I, you, I always you get like the craziest. Uh, you can be the, the craziest metaphors out of me. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Just, shit comes out of my head when I talk to you, Kevin. It's crazy. And people go, this guy's an idiot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it says, what color is porkle? It says porkle on the label. <laughs> like, I'll miss it. No. <laughs> oh, that's weird. I love it. I went to uh, a, a dollar store one time in San Diego. We were looking for something. I don't remember what we were looking for. Uh-huh. We just wandered in there, and they had these flashlights, and we're like, oh, you know, cheap dollar flashlights, and we yeah. picked one up, and uh, they had batteries, like, oh, it comes with free batteries, and they said, Panasonic, you know, and they, but it's exactly like the Panasonic logo, but it said Panasonic, uh- which was just <laughs> thought was hysterical, hilarious. you know? Uh, yeah, but, that's great. Yeah, everything was like misspelled versions of something you know. Yeah. You know, the logos were the same. To-
1: me as a kid, and there was always like the electronics thing. and It was when Walkman is how old I am. When Walkman's were cool. Yeah. And it would be called the Talkman and it would be by Tony, not Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the exact same thing, or like instead sort of Sanyo, which it would be Tanyo, or, yeah. or, or, you know, Santo, or whatever. It was always like one letter off and like the same font and stuff like that. And, like, right. It was like, yeah, and it was, it was made out of like flash paper. By the time you got to the car, the thing was already like in, in ashes.
2: <laughs> right. And you're like,
1: how did this. How does this disintegrate? It yeah. How's that even possible? Like, no, the people at Tanya, they figured that out. Right. <laughs> <And they know. laughs> you want something that could break within 40 yards of, of <laughs> when your money goes through? The right. Says, Tony, they know how to do it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> they're not good at making electronics, but they're making good at things that break. Right. Uh, so. I think they did
0: a, they did a bit on uh, about that on uh, The Simpsons, I remember.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I think really Homer wrong. went to go
0: buy a new TV, and he's like, "Magnet Box" or something like that. I've never heard of Magnet <laughs> Box. He's like, "Oh yeah, it's a brand name, just like Sorny." That's hilarious. Yeah, something like that. I just remember that that was pretty. That funny. is hysterical. You know, just like Sony. Yeah, so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, if you could have any so guest star on the on uh, Undateable, who would you choose?
1: Well, we have some guest stars coming up this year that, uh, um. The, the, there's a, there's an episode we're going to be doing later on. I think Bill's wife, uh, Krista Miller, who's on Foodie Town and Scrubs is, is real-life wife, is, is, is probably going to appear in, in a story that we have, which is really fun. And we've had um, – uh, last year we had uh, – there was a story of the uh, pot-dealing neighbor uh, played by a comic named Rory Scovel,
2: mm-hmm. who's
1: a stand-up who, if you don't know who he is, Rory Scovel, look him up. He's unbelievable, and he's so funny and dry, and it's like a Bill Murray vibe to him. So we bring and his character's name was Kevin and Kevin comes back into play. He's kind of like the Newman to our to Crystalia's Danny. So he they those two when they get together, it's uh we just shot that this last week and they do a thumb war and the tag that goes on for about a half hour. <laughs> 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 that you go, ah, thumb war sounds pretty dumb. Yeah, it is and it's hilarious and it goes on forever. So so we bring him back. We've had some other people. Um, I meant like other who would that, you
0: pick if you could like Suge Knight. <laughs>
1: You oh know? God! Well, yes, Doug. Sure. I'd have sure. Jug. That would that would get us on that. That would give us a spike in the in the thing. I you know I don't know. It's like it's so crazy because it's going to sound like a, a total uh, a cop out, but like our car- our guys are so good. I it's like I, and they're kind of like so specific to our gang and what they do. It's like it's really hard to kind of. Um, uh it's really hard to kind of uh you know to think of that i know i mean it would be cool to like get some. you know since we're after the voice just to be able to maybe get some of the, you know adam levine or somebody like that to be able to do some kind of a crossover oh, yeah. that'd be fun just so it kind of links the the shows together and you can kind of so i'm you, you can tell i'm kind of wearing my producer promotional hat so i'm not like, saying <laughs> oh it'd be awesome to have liam needs to come in and right. you know, do a take parody it's like that would be cool i'd love that but um you know, in, in, in thinking of the success of the show, most of I'm trying to think of, like, what would make, you know, hey, let's see Tara Swift. Synergy! <laughs> Her tour bus broke down in, in Detroit. And, right. You know, so it's, like, one of those kind of things you're kind of I, – I, I still beat that out of my head. So I'm only thinking of things in the way of, like, how can you promote it and how can you make a splash with stories. But, um, you know, I think I think of the guys, like, it would be really fun. You know, we did – last year we had a couple uh, guest cast stuff that were, you know, like Tom Kavanaugh who's on mm-hmm. – uh, now he's on The Flash, but he was on TV's Ed and stuff, and he played... Yeah, um, he's great. Uh, yeah, he played uh, Justin's father, uh, Brent Warren's father, on the show. And we have some other people that have kind of been in Bill's universe, you know? So, like, uh, people that have been on Cougar Town, Josh Hopkins, and, and uh, um, you know, there's some other Cougar Town people that are coming on uh, later on, and some people he's worked with on Scrubs and, uh, and some of his other shows. So he likes to kind of use the same... Kind of friends that he knows because he just knows what they do so well and they're sure. all really really funny that they would make it to those that his big leagues if they weren't so great and versatile.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: a lot of times we're like, you know, yeah, you can go out and try to get a big stunt casting person for this part, but we can get someone that we know will kill it. right And um there's a the guy Renee Gouvet, who's a really really funny uh comic who's on his other show Ground Floor on TBS who is just hilarious, and we used him uh, this, uh, a couple of weeks ago and he just destroyed, like it was un- unreal. Like right. we could have gone out and tried to gone after like, you know, uh, maybe more of a name actor, you know, and, and got something. It would have been like, all right, cool. That's great. Christian Slater was this guy, you know, but then, but no one would have crushed the comedy quite like Renee. So it was cool using kind of people that maybe aren't on everyone's radar yet. And so you get that little bit of, you know, comedy so much about surprise, like, you know, a surprise turn of phrase a surprise, um, thing that uh it's a huge uh it's a huge thing also in casting when you kind of go all oh, right this guy looks this way i've never seen him before oh my god he's so funny you know like right that, that, that helps you uh that, that's another piece of uh of of, of of a way to cheat that so um
0: but okay. uh, i don't
1: know man it would be it'd be cool to get some uh you know if the show as the show gets more successful using some people uh the way that you've seen other sitcoms, like Friends, you know, you started seeing, you know, Brad Pitt was on, and it would be cool to, like, if it got to that level, that would be insane. Yeah, Yeah. like 30 Rock, and you had Oprah, and all that other stuff. It would be so fun to have that kind of, uh, those kind of high-class problems of how you're going to try to get Oprah Winfrey into your show. Right. So, it'd be cool to have that. I know there's a few people on there that would be super excited to have Oprah. So, um, uh, that would be, uh, that'd be killer. So, anything like that would be Anything. That would mean the show's doing really well. <laughs> so, right. so that's great. And I want that because I want job security. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and so, uh, another thing cool.
0: about Bill using the same people over and over again, if he ever needs a kidney, uh, a lot of people owe him. So that, there's always that too, right?
1: <laughs> it, 100, yeah. 100%. <laughs> yes. He, and he keeps probably an extensive record of who he's gotten favors for <laughs> things. And, and trust me, he will make them pay back. Right. He's waiting. He's right. waiting. You might not ever get that call, but there's a good chance you will. Remember,
0: <laughs> remember that uh, that third, that three uh, episode arc. I got you on Cougar Town? Well, someone, yeah. I, I need my shed <laughs> painted, so I was wondering what you're doing this weekend.
1: <laughs> I got you. He is so it's so great. I mean, like he said, Bill. I mean, I, I've been pretty effusive about him. Uh, talking to you when we've spoken, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and you'll meet him when uh, when you get to come see the show. And he's just such a you know available guy and great. He's so loyal to his, his, his friends and his people in such a really cool, like un you know, untraditional way in Hollywood. It's like, I mean, there's people that he uses over and over and over again that not, not, you know, that aren't like, Hey, it's not Courtney Cox. It's someone that's just a character actor that he knows and really likes and plays basketball with. And mm-hmm. he's like, you know what, let's get, you know, so-and-so to do this part. And you're like, Oh, Oh yeah, cool. Cause he's thinking about them and that's just who he is. And that, you right. know, that environment kind of, uh, Informs the way, you know, we do stuff. So it's been fun to be a part of that because it's just like, you know, there's cornballs, that his family and all that stuff. There is kind of a universe uh, that's very familial in a certain way. I and mean, literally familiar, familial because his wife has been on, you know, two of his shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so, so he's very, you know, he also, you know, he knows what he could do. And, you know, Zach Braff and Donald Faison and all the people from Scrubs, like always thinking of ways to try to get them in and if they want to try to do something figure them out. And so, um, but it's been pretty cool. So, but uh, yeah, dude, it's been wild.
0: It's always great hearing stories about successful people who are also good people. <laughs> Cause you hear so many stories yeah. about, you know, producers who are just complete power hungry, yeah. paranoid freaks yeah. or people who are so just awful. And, 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 yeah. you know, so it's, it's great to hear somebody who is loyal and, and, and takes yeah, care of his it, people. It, and,
1: and it's very, you know, it's very unique and, and, and I appreciate it uh, a ton because, uh, you know, you do. You hear those stories and you know people and have had those literal experiences. So it's not just like, oh, I heard that. It's like, no, I heard that from the person it happened to. Right. And that person's really rough and they're really, you know, petty and they, you know, put their names on scripts where you know, mm-hmm. they didn't touch them, but, you know, whatever, but they can and they're bullies and they're tough, you know, they're paranoid and stuff, all the stuff that you were saying that is real and that is out there. I'd like to think that it's not as horrible as like the swimming with sharks version, you know, <laughs> that you think it is. Right. But it definitely still happens and people, there are certain people, it's tough, it's tough job. I mean, it's you know, it's such a weird, unique job. I mean, you're trying to outthink of, you're telling stories in a very specific medium. uses a very specific type of rhythms and you have these commercial kind of, you know, you're, for our, for our show, we have to have four acts. So it's like four acts are really hard to write, you know? Three acts is natural.
2: Mm-hmm. Four acts
1: are kind of creating like, all right, well, you have to have some kind of act break or some thing that you go out on that's big. And it's like, well, we don't want our story to go that big then. You know, it's kind of a weird thing. So you're trying to find ways of kind of maneuvering into these commercial parameters that the network gives you. And it's really hard. It's not just like, oh, we get together and tell jokes. It's like, we do that. But then there's like, how do you actually apply that to you know, a narrative and, and a story and, and have, you know, then you have actors and we have seven leads on our show and right. all of them are unique and have their own thing. And they might, you know, they want their jokes and they want their own thing. And, they're, and, and our, our cast is awesome and super gracious. And they're not there. There's no diva. And it's just really, it's a real treat to have that kind of a thing. And, and, uh, you know, they're just really great people. So, you know, all those things take it, put that all in one, um, in one spot, you kind of go, geez, this is a really hard job and it's evolving. It's, you know, it's an impossible job. So, so we have, uh, you, you that said it's like good people could behave poorly under those circumstances and mm. bad people are going to behave poorly under those circumstances. You know what I mean? Right. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, it, it's not forgivable that people are ill behaved in, in those, in those positions, but you understand, Someone that you know, for me, I I understand it. Like, man, you know, wow, it's so hard. How do you even? <laughs> I imagine it's easy to have a bad day. It's easy to get mad at someone and and kind of snap at a writer's assistant or do whatever. It's like I get it because you're so freaked out by the fifteen thousand moving targets that are coming at you that you got to hit and and are moving all over the place. That uh it's not easy. So, um, but uh, it you know it's it's still it's. It, you know, it's uh, my friend Al Higgins who works on Mike and Molly. He's one of the executive producers of Mike and Molly. He's like, his job is just too hard for assholes to be right. an asshole. And he said that to me, and it's always stuck with me. and I was like, absolutely. It's make it make something that's hard already so much harder. It's like, um, and that's just unfortunately We don't have that kind of situation at Undateable. It's just people are great. So, um, yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah. But I, I know I have some friends on other shows that, that are to be nameless that, you know, go through some tough stuff with uh, egos and personalities with people that they work for or work uh, with or whatever, that just is like adding a level of a degree of difficulty to a job that's already incredibly difficult. It just seems antithetical to making good television, right. uh, you know, so it's just, ugh, so, yeah. but um, who knows? <laughs> Maybe that's the way to do it.
0: I hope hopefully it's
1: not, but I don't think it is. And hopefully it's not. Exactly. I don't I don't think it is. I think you can do it any way you want, but uh there's it might as well make it a little easier. <laughs> by being cool. <laughs> uh
0: I'm I'm putting but, you on uh, the spot. Uh, in reality, yeah. who's who's the least dateable person on the show? You know, the one with like horrible halitosis, uh, compulsive liar, the klepto clubfoot, whatever.
1: <laughs> well um, that's an easy question, which is uh the bursty character. Um we're talking to characters, right? Not writers. <laughs> no, I was joking. Or, but I... one of the other writers, I'll definitely throw them under the bus. It'll be fun. <laughs> no, uh, no we, uh, Everybody is uh, remarkably uh, well um, uh on the show. Ber- <laughs> the Burstein character, who is um, uh, played by Rick Glassman. Uh, Rick, if, if if, the audience doesn't know who Rick is, uh, you know, look him up on on uh, YouTube or go see him at the Comedy Store if you're in LA or whatever. Or if he comes to your town, I look him up. The guy's a trip. Like, it's like an Andy Kaufman deconstructionist comedy thing. But he's he's just, it's undescribable unless you see him. And that's one of the reasons we got him for the show is, one, he's friends with them. And he's a great actor and hilarious and whatever. But, like, his natural energy is so unlike uh, anything. So when you have him, he, he's playing Bursky, who is this... Uh, really, uh, you know, the guy that says the worst stuff to women, he has a good heart. He's just wired almost in a, uh, in a, uh, uh, a, a dysfunctional way for saying the wrong thing. And we all have friends that are that way that just can't get out of their own way or step on their own shadow, so to speak, or whatever it is, they just can't. And this is that guy. So Brisky is the guy when we need a joke or when we need part of a story, we're like, all right, who could come in and be, uh, awful here. <laughs> uh well it's obviously Rick's character. Right, so, right. Um it's pretty funny, like uh it's pretty funny with that. So he uh and, and he'd own it too, so I'm not talking any out of school. <laughs> he's 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 a goofball. And uh, a lovable goofball. But um oh. uh, yeah, so he's, uh, he's he he would be our one.
0: Super Bowl prediction. Uh, we're recording this the day before the Super Bowl, but okay. it'll be uploaded a few days after, so we'll see if you get it right yeah. or not. And if you do, the next Zanku chicken is on me.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. I think the Patriots are going to win. Okay. Uh, I really don't have a dog in the fight, uh, but I was talking about someone at my kid basketball game this morning, and I kind of cemented it a little bit more than me. Uh, more to me is uh, I think New England. Unlike the last few years, last few appearances where they didn't uh, win,
2: mm-hmm. they're
1: more talented and they're also healthy. Like r- those other years, those guys that they got there with weren't necessarily healthy. They were playing with kind of a banged up roster or whatever. It's like Gronk's healthy, Brady's healthy, Mayo, John Mayo's healthy, and I think that they're just that. Like in the thing that I think is going to be a really close game. Like this wasn't spread like two points or two and a half points or something mm-hmm. crazy. That I think that uh Seattle, the thing that Seattle doesn't have is you have Marshawn Lynch, but you don't have Percy Harvin anymore. You don't have uh Golden Tate and these guys, you have Doug Baldwin who's a great player, but you don't have that like breakout Calvin Johnson kind of guy when uh always feels like the Super Bowl the first couple quarters is guys going, Oh shit, I'm in the Super Bowl. And they play tight and weird things happen like safeties and you know, fumbles and weird stuff happens it just feels like uh, in a close game where you need to know you have to make a big move. uh, The Patriots have more of those types of weapons that they could make that kind of move with. And a quarterback who's done it so many times that uh, the Seahawks just don't have, you know, they don't have a Gronk. They don't have, uh, you know, even Julian Edelman. It's like, they don't have that kind of guy that, uh, that breakout kind of player that other than, other than Marshawn Lynch. So, um, see, watching what the uh, the Packers did to them, even until the very end where they just kind of fell apart, the Packers shut them down for like three and a half quarters mm-hmm. and uh, by and, and kept uh, Lynch to a certain point. And I just think New England's a lot better of a Packers team than the Packers are. And I think that, that you know, this is all theoretical, obviously, but that push comes to shove, I just feel like that, they, you know, uh, the Patriots are just more likely to win. But, um, you know. All that could go right out the window. <laughs> I think I said last year that the Broncos were going to shut him out. And they went crazy. Right. I'm like, well, I'm bullshit. <laughs> I'm definitely done. So, well, you know.
0: I don't have a dog yeah. in the fight either, but playing devil's advocate. Um, yeah. What I'd have to say on the other side is you talked about how, uh, you know, the first couple quarters of, of it's like, holy shit, I'm playing the Super Bowl. Well, yeah. The Patriots only have two players. um it's uh, Brady and Vince there? Wheelfork, I think, that have been there. That's yeah. it. Whereas the right, whole the right. French, the whole Seahawks have been there last year. Um, yeah, right. And, and I right, also want to right. throw in point. that um, sometimes you see it when a team totally blows out another team, like the Patriots did yeah. to the the, uh, the the Colts. The Colts, yeah. um, and a team struggles against a good team yeah. like the Seahawks do. Sometimes you know they That's work twice point. as hard to come back and 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 correct all their mistakes. Whereas the team that, that glide, you know, you know, glided in is sort of on cruise control. Now, again, these are two super prepared teams and great coaches, but you know, the fact, again, the fact that the Seahawks played as badly as they did for three and a half quarters against a really, really good green Bay team and still won. That says something to me about how tough this team is, how good this team is. Um, Oh, right. You know, that's a good point. And, totally. and, and then finally, I would say that the the strength of the uh Patriots in terms of Tom Brady and uh, Gronk uh yeah. it, it plays into the strength of the Seahawks, which is granted they're they're kind of banged up. I know Cam Chancellor got injured yeah. today a little bit, but that 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 Legion of Boom secondary, which is fantastic. Right. You know, yeah. so you know that could be a push. It could yes. come down to the running game for both sides. Um and right. again, they both have solid defenses. But again, for the yeah. fact, you know, and I do think that the Patriots are probably better than than the Packers. Although the Packers were a terrific yeah. team, yeah, they're. But, amazing. but the fact yeah. that the Seahawks Definitely. could play as bad as they did and still and win, still do that, that's it's pretty crazy. impressive. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, they're going to come out with a chip on their shoulder. Not they're going to, and it's, sure. it could have been the best thing that happened to them because they're not coming in like we're the defending champs with their right, you know, head up right, high. They're right. coming in with a chip on their shoulder because they yeah. they know how lucky they are to be there. So.
1: Exactly. I, I think you're right. I mean, that's the you make a like 100% great point. That's why I can do it the other way in half a second with as I'm already picking the Seahawks now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, yeah, you don't want me in your foxhole. Yeah, he did it. <laughs> wait, uh, wait. No, totally. And I think the other thing that, um, you know, uh, with, with, uh, Lynch and, uh, is, is Russell Wilson is such a smart quarterback. He mm-hmm. doesn't turn over the ball. Like, I mean, right. that's so crazy too, is that the Seahawks, he throws four picks and they still win. Mm-hmm. It's like that's pretty crazy. I don't th- I don't think that the Patriots could that Brady could throw four picks and they'd win. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy that it shows you that kind of uh that that kind of a team that they're they're built that way and he's just so smart and he doesn't turn the ball over generally and he's very, you know, um he's efficient with that with that that team and I think it's, you know, uh it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, the one the thing is is Legarrett Blunt has played really well for the Patriots. It's mm-hmm. weird how the Patriots say one thing about like Belichick's teams in the Belichick Brady area era, which is they've never really had other than maybe Corey Dillon back a billion years ago, like a legitimate number one running back.
2: Mm-hmm. And they
1: still are able to deal with that, which is just so like, unlike football, you know, logic, you know, it's always been like, Oh, you got to have a good running game. That takes the pressure. Then you play action and it takes the pressure off the passing game. and opens up the back end of the field. And you know what I mean? It's like, They've always kind of done it with you know Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, or right. you know like Blunt had been cut by the or had been traded or cut by the Steelers after you know coming had a good season in um, in Tampa Bay and then went to the, the Steelers, which has always been a traditionally powerhouse running team, and he just wasn't great. And he kept fumbling the ball a bunch, and then he goes to the Patriots and becomes a force. It's like always weird how the Patriots are always like somebody always ends up getting they end up getting a performance out of someone. You're kind of like oh I thought that guy was done or was it like a, you know. Yeah, I don't know. this is weird how you you know look at Revis has come back and become Revis Island again off of you know after kind of being out in the pasture with the Jets mm-hmm. and and everything and and with the uh, Buccaneers and stuff like that. So it's a, I, it's going to be a great. I think it's going to be an awesome game. I mean, every, I was on sports radio on the way into work, and everyone's just like, "It's going to be an all timer," yeah. and it very well could be. I mean, it really feels like. uh I don't remember an evenly matched Super Bowl in a long time where I went, I really don't know. It could go either way.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it was always like, well, you know, like when it's like the uh, it was like the Bears and the Patriots or something, you're like, right. well, does, well, Rex Grossman has to like literally uh, send out a hit on Tom Brady, <laughs> you know, like the night right. before, you know, needs to be, kill Ben Roethlisberger, whatever it is. It's like, you've always thought like, well, you, you're thinking of what kind of long, weird, long shot uh would happen for that team to win. Right. Uh this one feels like honestly if the tide starts going uh one way you're like, yeah, totally saw that. I mean, totally could have done that. You know, so it feels mm-hmm. it, which I think is gonna make it a fun game to watch. Right. So yeah. it'll be cool. Yeah, no, And we'll have it. our Super Bowl spot in there, which uh will be pretty fun. Have right. our uh an one. So that'll be uh we'll keep that in uh, That'll be fun to watch. So we'll look forward to that. Even if the game's a blowout, we'll <laughs> yeah, be keep, watching, keep watching, keep <laughs> watching, keep watching for our fireman <laughs> parody. Thing. I saw which I saw.
0: I think yeah. you posted it on Facebook. I saw that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But yeah. So, uh, yeah, it should be, you know, I'm anxious for you, you and your wife to come out and see the show. I think you'll, you'll, uh, you know, hopefully I can kind of put a face to some of the stuff I've talked about or show you some of the stuff that we do that might be different from your experience and heard from other people or whatever and uh it's it's cool to watch someone like bill who's really you know really kind of a one of the goliaths in the uh in the industry kind of do his thing and how he's able to kind of cut his mind on the floor and you're like oh shit you know it's like it's really a a cool thing to witness and experience so um i'm looking forward to you seeing how it'll be uh i think you'll get a kick out of it
0: yeah no i'm excited i've never been to a multi-camera uh show taping i've been to lots of film sets yeah
1: it's it's a trip, and they're fun. It's fun. Ours is especially fun because the guys do stand-up in between, and you meet the yeah, – they're really oh, – very cool. Yeah, it'll be a lot That's of awesome. – it'll be a blast,
0: man. Well, I appreciate you taking uh, your Saturday afternoon, at least a part of it, for coming on the show. <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> no, awesome. it's my pleasure, buddy. It's always Yeah, It's always a delight. Uh, it was like, cool to get in uh, and, and talk a little shop with you and catch up with you and see how you're doing and yeah. all that stuff. So it was fun. So hopefully other people enjoyed it as much as we (laughs) enjoyed them doing it. I know these two assholes had such a good time together. (laughs) Thanks for, yeah. I hope, that they,
0: uh, I hope that they have as much fun as we do. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um, be sure I to follow that. Craig on Twitter at TheCraigDoyle. We always have to remind them that you're TheCraigDoyle. <laughs> and for the latest updates on recently released and upcoming interviews and features, you can follow us on Twitter at ScriptScribes. And you can also find us on Facebook and Google And of course, on our website, ScriptScribes.com. And thanks for listening.